Welcome to Bardstown Church of God audio sermons. We hope that this teaching will bless you. Share with us how God is moving in your life and how this message impacts you by visiting us online at bardstowncog.com. Are you ready? It's time for the word. I want you to go to the book of Zephaniah. It's a very, it's one of the minor prophets in scripture. The name Zephaniah, the prophet, means God hides, means God defends. Zephaniah, if if you it's kind of difficult sometimes to read the Old Testament because you know, those prophets, they're pretty bad boys when it comes to telling the truth. <laughs> they just flat out put it out there. It's a good thing that God would hide prophets many times to keep them. Jeremiah was one of those that was thrown into prison and thrown into the muck deep in the dungeon for preaching the truth. It got so difficult on this, this prophet to speak truth and to speak what God was saying that at one moment he says, I'm done. I, I, I'm just not going to tell it anymore. I'm not going to preach it anymore. I'm not going to give what God's saying. And then he said this. He said, I said I quit, but it was like fire shut up in my bones and I could not be quiet. It would be nice to, to think of all the prophets and think that they all live through the times of telling the truth. But my mind goes back. To John the Baptist coming in the spirit of Elijah, the forerunner of Christ. Because he would speak the truth, his head would be cut off. So today, Zephaniah is hard hitting. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I pray that God would help me to preach the word. So here we go in the book of Zephaniah chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, the word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Getaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah. Wow, he's in the royal lineage. Did you get that? In the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Listen to this, what he begins to speak. He said, I will completely, this is the Amplified, I will completely consume and sweep away all things from the face of the earth in judgment. Says the Lord, I will consume and sweep away man and beast. I will consume and sweep away the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks, which are the idols along with the wicked. And I will cut off and destroy man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Verse 12, it will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who like old wine are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. I just want to interject this right there when they say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. That's when the Lord laid this burden for this word on my heart. Verse 14, the great judgment. Everybody say great judgment. The great judgment day of the Lord is near. Near and coming very quickly. Listen. 
the voice of the day of the Lord. The warrior cries out bitterly, unable to fight or to flee. The day is a day of the outpouring of the wrath of God, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of triumph of trumpet and the battle cry of invaders against the fortified cities and against the high corner towers the embattlements I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind unable to find a way of escape because they have sinned against the Lord their blood will be poured out like the dust and trampled underfoot and their flesh like dung neither their silver nor their gold will be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's indignation and wrath. And the whole earth will be consumed in the fire of His jealousy, His wrath. For He shall make full and complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants This will be difficult, but I must preach the word of the Lord titled, Judgment is Coming. Judgment is coming. I'm sounding the alarm. I'm telling you, judgment is coming to the earth. Father, help me to preach your word. Don't let me be weak in the anointing, but let me be weak in the flesh. Not I. I decrease and you increase. Guard my mouth and my spirit, my heart, that I speak your word. Holy Spirit, you move in the lives of people across this congregation. And upon God, our live stream and Facebook, as people will watch this now live, but they'll watch it later. God, you do your work through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. As you're being seated, would you welcome our guest that is in the house? We have guests throughout the house. Would you welcome them today? Very close friend to our family, David Crockett. His wife, Jamie, is with us today. It's so nice to meet her. And uh, glad to have you guys. Had to speak to that. Judgment is coming. If you've not shared our live stream, please do that. Judgment is coming. Zephaniah is a hard read. It's only three chapters. But if you read it and you begin to understand what Zephaniah is speaking by the word of the Lord, all of a sudden it gets difficult to read if your heart's in it and you understand what God is speaking through the prophet. One of the things that I realize when I read the, the book of Zephaniah, I understand that God is in complete and total control today. He's in complete and total control of all nations. The earth turns upon its axis. The sun, it's in its place. The stars is in its place. But one day, it'll all vanish. The Bible tells us that the earth is God's footstool. Heaven is His throne. While everything looks bleak and it's dark today, it's always good to know that God is in control. If you're a child of God, you have nothing to worry about. Because God is in control. 
You can take hope and you can take solace in the Word of God, even when it's hard-hitting like Zephaniah is. What becomes evident as you read the book of Zephaniah, God is in control of the nations, but the contents of this three-chapter book reveals that God's judgment is coming upon Judah, the nation of Judah, the southern half of Israel, but he also speaks about the judgment that is coming upon the whole entire earth. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8 says this, Therefore you of the godly remnant of Judah patiently wait for me, declares the Lord. Wait for the day when I rise up as a witness against the nations. For it is my decision and my right to gather the nations, God's right, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation, to pour out upon them my indignation, all the heat of my burning anger. For in that day all the earth shall be consumed by the fire of my zeal. Can I tell you that God who created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, when you read in Genesis, when everything was perfect and everything was good and sin came upon the earth, remember that? And, and, and as men began to multiply, it says in Genesis chapter 6, God looked down upon the evil and man's thoughts and their imagination was evil continually. And then we understand that God destroyed the earth at that hour, at that time with the flood. But I'm glad to know that there was a nestled in there that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That Noah built an ark to the saving of his house. It could have been saved, other people could have been saved from that time of the earth being destroyed with water. Noah preached 120 years, it's going to rain. People say it's never rained before. It, it's not going to rain. There's no way for this earth to be destroyed by water, but the heavens brought forth rain, and the fountains of the deep were opened up, and it rained 40 days and 40 nights, and only Noah and his family were saved on the ark, and the animals went in two by two. I'm glad to know that when, by the time you read this story, when the day, when the water finally abated after many, many months, we know that, that Noah sent out a, a, a dove, and that was the final thing. And when the dove came back, it had an olive branch in its mouth, and that meant the flood was over. He came out, and God put a rainbow in the sky and said, I will never, ever destroy the earth again with water. But if you read the Word of God, what we know in the last day that God will destroy the earth once again, but this time it will be by fire. It will be by fire, a consuming fire. The stars will fall out of the sky. The moon will be turned into blood. This earth will be wiped out. There are so many people that don't believe or don't live with the expectation of judgment, God's judgment, to come. And we are like Judah and speak the words in our hearts like God said they did in verse 12. The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. What they're saying, Judah was saying about the coming judgment upon them. And even God is speaking today to the world today. They speak in like God's indifferent to everything's going on. Make no mistake about it, America, God is not indifferent to all of the aborted, murdered babies, the millions and millions and millions of babies. 
God is not indifferent to America changing the natural use of a man and a woman into them that they would burn with lust toward each other. God is not indifferent to the fact that in America, and it's not just an American thing, but I'm bringing it home to us. It's a world thing. We're living in a day when we're finding out that kids, they're trying to, the, the world and our universities are trying to, dis, to destroy their mindset of their gender identity. Can I tell you, moms and dads, it is left up to you to help your children to understand. Don't you leave it up to a school teacher. Don't you leave it up to a politician. You tell your son, you tell your daughter you was born a boy and that's who you are. You were born a girl and that is who you are. You reinforce that while they're trying to get them to change their identity or accept anything. I'm on X, which used to be Twitter. This lady, she, her daughter came home and she was telling her mom that, that she thinks that she likes, she's a girl, but she thinks she wants to be a boy. And the school system and everybody wanted to help her alone to embrace her identity. This mom took it upon herself to help her daughter to understand. And now she says, my daughter knows that she's a girl and she does not want to be a boy. Can I tell you, you can make the difference. Make no mistake about it when we see that we're living in the hour right now of where anti-Semitic people are even that way toward the Jews. Where a Jewish teacher, the students, high school, found out that this Jewish teacher had been to a pro-Israel rally supporting it. They, she had to barricade herself somewhere in the school because they were trying to get her and take it out on her. Something's wrong. Can I tell you where this is all pointing toward? It's pointing toward the end. It's pointing toward the great wrath of God that is going to come upon this earth who men and women are De denying the Lord Jesus, denying God. I got to preach this thing. I could just go off on a tangent here, but I don't need to do that. But they said God will not do good, nor will he do evil in verse 12 of Zephaniah chapter 1. They're saying God is indifferent to our sin. He will not judge us, and he really don't care. The attitude of God that these people had toward God and his judgment reminds me of the story that someone told about Lucifer, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, getting his imps together and his demons to strategize against humanity. One of the demons speaks to the devil and says, let's tell humanity that there, let's tell them there is no heaven. Satan replies and says, man knows in his heart there is such a place. The Bible proclaims the truth that there is a heaven, he says, so we cannot Deny it that it's true. Think about Satan. He was once there. Another demon speaks up. Let's tell them there is no hell. Lucifer replies, the conscience of all humanity knows there is a hell. They know there's a hell for those who rejects the giver of eternal life. Third demon speaks up. Let's tell the people there not to be in a hurry. Lucifer's eyes lit up and he says, this is our adopted strategy. 
Let's get people in the mindset that they got plenty of time, that God is not going to judge the world. God is not going to judge me. God is way too loving to send me to hell. I had an uncle just like that. He died believing that he did not need Jesus. He died believing that he did not need a Savior. Can I tell you, God sent his son into the world because the world needs a Savior. We need someone to forgive us of our sins. We don't need to look to Buddha. We don't need to look to Allah. We don't need to look to a cow. We need to look to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who saves the sins of the world. I'm glad to know today that I'm saved. Is anybody saved today? Born again. You know that in Jesus you have life and you have abundant life. You know what the devil stole from you all the years that you were out in the world. But Jesus turned you around. You were in the muck and the mire of this world. But Jesus changed you in a, in a just a quick moment. Everything changed. Helen Keller. The blind lady that wrote so many wonderful things that you can read about that she wrote. Once quoted, science may have found a cure for most evils. But it has found no remedy for the worst of them all. The apathy of human beings. Indifferent. At this hour inside of me is a sense of urgency. To tell everyone the judgment of God is coming to the whole earth. I am sensing an urgency to remind people that there is a hell. But while I remind people there is a hell, at the same time I want to tell people there is hope in Jesus Christ our Lord. And to the church, get ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we shall escape the wrath to come. If Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he escaped, so will I. If God went down to Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sins and Lot was delivered out of the fire and brimstone, then I shall be delivered. If God is the one today that sits on the throne, I understand in Corinthians that God has not appointed his children under wrath but under salvation. Oh, I'm thinking about heaven now. I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them who love him, but he has revealed it by his spirit. I know that I'm going to be leaving this earth soon and so are you, but judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Where are the preachers? Where are we going to tell people judgment is nigh even at the door? It's time to get right with God. Time to get right with God. So point number one, <laughs> some of y'all thought, like, woo, I thought they, we, we already made some. These are very specific. Point number one, judgment will come. Zephaniah 1, verse 2, Amplified says, I will completely, everybody say completely. God says, I will completely consume and sweep away all things from the face of the earth in judgment. Says the Lord. Big part of my night last night was spent with a great reverential fear for the Lord. And knowing, Sister Connie, what I was going to preach, I lost a lot of sleep last night. Burden for the souls of our families, 
Burden for our community around us. Burden for America. Burden for Israel. Burden for Asia, Africa, South America, North America. He says in verse 14 of Zephaniah, the great judgment day of the Lord is near. Near and coming very quickly. It means all of a sudden it's going to happen. Listen, he says, the voice of the day of the Lord, the warriors cries out bitterly, but they're unable to fight. They can't fight against God. Or to flee. That day is a day of the outpouring of the wrath of God. A day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and the battle cry of invaders against the fortified cities and against the high corner towers, battlements. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind, unable to find a way of escape. Why? He says, because they have sinned against the Lord. That right there, it is, it is a, so amazing for the Connolly that we're living in a day that altars are open up for people to be saved. Knowing that they're not saved, you say, because you want to you make sure, but you, you're like, you know they're not saved because you just know. I'll just say that. And they said, can I help you pray? Yeah, pray for my mom. Pray for my family. Listen, my father-in-law says, and my dad said this too, you got to get people lost before you get them saved. People's got to know they're lost before they're saved. We're living in a day that everybody prays. And if you ask them they're saved, they'll say they're saved. I love what one man of God said, Leonard Ravenhill. He said, I don't ask them that anymore. I ask them, does Jesus live inside of you? Let me tell you something. When you get right there, that changes everything. And people needs to be saved. And when you get saved, guess who moves out? The devil moves out. Jesus moves in. The Spirit of God moves inside of you. And you know when it happens. But you have to invite him. But if you're comfortable... With just continue on in sin without a Savior, this is who this is talking to. He says this. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood will be poured out like dust and trampled underfoot. And their flesh like the dung, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to rescue them. On the day of the Lord's indignation and wrath, and the Lord and the whole earth will be consumed in the fire of his jealousy, wrath, for he shall make a full and complete end, indeed, a terrifying one of all the inhabitants of the earth. Did you notice what he used there in the end? Like it's that play on I've lived my life and my money's got me out of everything. And it's changed everything in my life as if it could keep them from the day of judgment. When you read the book of Revelations, you'll read about the spirit of Babylon. You'll read about that, that in the end times where the, the Antichrist will show up. And the false prophet will show up. 
You'll read of a time of where nobody can buy nor sell unless they have the mark of the beast. Somewhere in their forehead, their hand, or whatever. There's nations right now that already they have the chips inside of these people. It's already in the making right now that people can... That we're, we're going to go with a cashless society. You won't even need your credit card anymore. Can I tell you, I believe that the wrath of God is going to come. Money is the driving force, but one day money won't buy a piece of bread. Your money won't do you any good. My money won't do me any good, but I got good news, and I'm going to talk about it a little later. I'm going to be out of here. I'm not worried about the wrath of God. No child of God should be worried about the wrath of God. But what you should be worried about is the people that are lost and undone and on their way to hell. God, give the church, the body of Christ, give Bartstown Church of God a new vision for the lost and the dying world while we sit here and enjoy the blessings of God. God, give us souls lest we die. I said this in the early years of my ministry. I'm going to say it again. If I can't see souls saved and lives changed, I would just as soon as God take me out of here. When I become ineffective as a Christian and I become ineffective as a pastor, I don't want to be here. God, just take me on because I don't want to be here. It's time for us. What are you saying, Pat? Get a hunger for souls. When are we going to cry over our children? When are we going to cry over our community? Things are getting worse and worse and worse. To whom, point number two, to whom will judgment come? It gets very specific right here. Zephaniah, verse one, chapter one, verses five and six. Those who bow down and worship the host of heaven, the sun, the moon, the stars on their housetops, and those that bow down and swear oaths and pretend to worship the Lord and yet also swear by the pagan god called Malcolm, god of the Ammonites, now, I, I get it. Everybody's like, well, that, that's talking about Judah and it's talking about idol worship. Well, we don't, we don't do these things, but we do bow down to idols. An idol is anything that stands between us and God. Anything. Sometimes our, 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 our mate, our husband, our wife becomes our idol. Because we put them before we do God. We put our children before God. We put education before God. We put money before God. We put all these things, but so they're idols. And yet we're like them, like, like Judah was, because we, we will do all those things and we have these idols in our life, but we will come in and pledge our allegiance to God and say our prayers and do our thing and all the while that's more important than God. I know what it's like to struggle because that's the best thing right there ever happened in my life outside of God, that girl right there. I know what it's like struggling as a young man to try to put God first. But she was so pretty. Still is. 
struggling to put God first because I wanted her to have. I was willing to work the overtime. I was willing to do anything I could. Listen, I still opened the door, car door up for her. Or not necessarily that so much, but I'll tell you what I do. I did it yesterday. When that girl wants to go to the store, I take her to the store. I was studying yesterday. I just grabbed everything with me and went in the, got in the car, and I said, I'll take you, baby. Because you know what I do? I drop her off at the front door. And then when she's ready to come out, I pick her up at the door. You say, you're a crazy man. No, I'm not. I'm a man deeply in love with my wife. She deserves the best. I, I know what it's like struggling to put God first when you love somebody that much. But I remember as a young man that when I sold out to God, when I totally sold out to Him and I put Him first, I had to put Him first and make her next. But the thing of it was, is I thought I had to make a choice. But when I put God first, everything fell into order. Some people, I'll tell you what some people's problem is, is they're putting the church as God himself and the church was never meant to be your God and a place to bow down and a place to worship like the church did something for you. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ bled and died on the cross for you and that's the reason we have a church and therefore the church and coming to church must be in order. Dude, I'm as churchy as Noah was Archie. I'm as churchy as I can be. And I don't do, I, I don't do God without church. See, that's the problem today. That's, that's that idol worshiping people. They can do God without church. Don't forget the church is the body of Christ. Don't forget the body of Christ congregates together. But some are forsaking the assembling of themselves together. In this last hour, according to Hebrews 10 and 25, make no mistake about it, God is watching. He's paying attention. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day, the coming of the Lord, as you see the day coming, exhort one another, encourage one another to be in the house of God. When is the last time you told your children that they got it all together and they love Jesus, but they don't go to church? When is the last time we told people that we work with? Oh, I love God. I pray. Do you go to church? No. Why not? They're hypocrites. Well, they're hypocrites at Walmart and they shop at Myers and other places, but you still go with them. You still go there. Dear Lord. So we, we get the, the idol thing, but then he says in verse 6, and those who have turned their back from following the Lord. And those who have not sought the Lord as their most important need or inquired of Him. Wow. Edward Gibeon, in his book, The Decline and the Fall of the Roman Empire, described the attitude towards religion in the last days, in the last days of the Roman Empire. Their attitude in the Roman Empire remarkably looks like ours today, especially in America. Here it is. Number one, the people regarded all religions equally true. The fall of the Roman Empire. America's fall, if, if, if Christ doesn't come back soon, America will fall. 
Righteousness exalts a nation and wickedness is an abomination to any. We're living in a day that all religion is equal in America. They're not equal. All religions are not equal. The philosophers, he said, regarded all religions as equally false philosophers. Here we go. The politicians regarded all religions as equally useful. Are you listening? To the news, are you listening to what people are saying? There's many ways to God. We had one man to get on Larry King Live, one of the most prominent ministers even today, and said, he said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? He said, I believe there's many ways to heaven. No, 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 no. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no eternal life outside of Jesus Christ. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can clean you up and get you to heaven except Jesus Christ. And it's a personal relationship with him. Point number three, when will judgment come? Watch this, verse 12. It will come at the time, God says, that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. The King James Version says candles. So God is going to turn one day, going to put a light on everything that's been done in darkness. And people feel like they've got away with things. And he said, I will punish the men who like the old wine, who's like the old wine. They're stagnant in spirit who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. As the Lord searched Jerusalem, he will one day search the entire earth and will punish those who say, God will not judge my sins. He's a God of love. Yes, God is a God of love, but he's also a just God. Humanity who refuses to repent and give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ will be judged. Point number four, the lie they bought into, God ain't going to do nothing. He won't do good and he won't do bad, the King James Version says. In other words, God's not going to do nothing. Scriptures is where the truth's at. New Testament Scriptures, Ephesians 1 and 11 God is working everything after the counsel of his will. God's up to something. 2 Peter 3 and 15, if you're wondering why that we're still here, that we account the long-suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ as salvation. He's being long-suffering right now. Second Peter 3, verses 3, 4, 9. And this, is, this speaks to those that God's not going to do anything. He's not going to do good. He's not going to do bad. He's just indifferent to it. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since, the four, since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But I like this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but 
but that all should come to repentance. Thank you, Lord, for your long-suffering. I am the Lord. You have heard my word today. What will you do with my son Jesus? What will you do with your escape from the wrath to come? The message is true. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall not perish. Says the Lord. Just honor the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for the gifts in the church, the gift of tongues and interpretation. Father God, thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, thank you, Lord. Here's what I know. That God desires all men to be saved. Because in 1 Timothy 2, in verse 3, begins there, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and men, and the man is Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. At the appointed time, he paid the ransom on the cross the sins of the world. Here's what I know at this point. Jesus is awaiting the readiness of his bride, his church. Listen, Jesus, when he comes back to what we know is the rapture of the church, he's coming on a cloud. He's coming back after those who has received him as their personal Lord and Savior. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. See, Christ loved the church and gave himself forward in Ephesians 5 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church. There's the bride of Christ, the wife, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Jesus ain't coming back for sinners. He's coming back for his church. And then people will be left behind suffered great tribulation but when it's all said and done the stars will fall from the sky the moon will be turned into blood everything will fall apart the earth that we know it will be done away with but it makes new for the new heaven and the new earth Revelations 21 I ask you today stand with me I ask you the Holy Spirit asked someone today and maybe several in this room, what are you going to do with Jesus?
I know David Crockett, your dad. I know how he preached. I know how my dad preached. Brother Horn, Ferris Horn preached. You sat underneath these men many times. I have such respect for your dad. I believe this with all of my heart. Listen up. He's coming back after a church without spot, without wrinkle. Listen to when the Lord called me. I knew I was called to be a pastor, and you've heard me say this. But when he called me to be a pastor, he said, I will take a, my church out of a church. You know what he was saying? You're called to be a pastor to get people ready for my return, for the rapture. And I knew that he was telling me that there was many people. My dad preached it. My father-in-law preached it. The preachers of old preached it. That there'll be people left behind on the church pews. I read in Zephaniah where it said that there would be those who would look back and not look forward. I heard the words of Jesus in Luke's gospel say, He that putteth his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I heard him say, remember Lot's wife who looked back. Every head bowed and eye closed, I ask you the question, does Jesus live inside of you? Does he live inside of you? Did you accept the ransom, the payment for your sins? Are you willing to say that God won't do good and God won't do bad and He's indifferent to me and my sins and my life? Or are you willing to say, Lord, I'm in need of a Savior today. I'm in need of a cleansing today. I need a turnaround moment because I don't want to be left behind for tribulation and I definitely don't want to be left behind for the wrath of you, oh God. One last scripture. I'm going to open this altar up. And I want you to right now, as I get ready to read this scripture, I want you to get ready to come and pray. The book of Revelation speaks of the ages of the church. This represents the ages of the church today. But the Laodicean church in that city said, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I want you to get ready to pray. If you're in need of a Savior, if you're in need of repenting, looking to the Lord, I want you to get ready to come as I get ready to read this. And then I'm going to count to three, and I want everybody to flow to the altar. Before I read this, I'm going to tell you that as I prepared for this message, I kept on Don, I kept on repenting. I couldn't get up in the pulpit and preach without saying, God, help me to be holy as you are holy. But here's the scripture. The Bible says that Jesus is going to return in Revelations chapter 19. It's not, this is the second coming. This is not the rapture of the church. He's coming, but this is the actual second coming when he comes to the earth. 
that he's going to judge in righteousness. Now out of his mouth will go a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. And he himself will tread treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. I'm going to count to three and may we fill this altar up with hungry souls. One, two, three. Come hungry lives for God. Hungry people for God, come. Somebody that wants God living inside of them. Somebody that wants... We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information about Bardstown Church of God, please visit us online at bardstowncog.com. Have a great week.